But here's a woman. She's supposed to fight all of these different things. And she can't make it 15 feet to her car. Give me a break. Give me a break. Give me a break. She's home resting right now. She's getting ready for her next speech, which is going to be about 15 minutes, and it's going to be in two or three days. I find it very suspicious that Trump did all those rallies, and all of a sudden uh, he does the Cleveland Clinic debate where it's supposed to be so safe, and they're testing everybody and all that stuff. And all of a sudden he gets the virus along with 11 other people who were at the debate. Although we're in the midst of a big political fight and we take that very seriously. Uh, we also wanna uh, extend our best wishes to the president of the United States, the first lady. Help me, they're killing me money-wise. Help me. I need help. Help me. You did last week. Help me again. Help me, Obi-Wan Help me. Help me. Uh, help. <laughs> and now, the man of the hour, whether you want him or not, Jerry Jones. Hey, party crashers. What is going on? This is Jerry Jones, and welcome to another episode of The Uninvited. However you found us, and wherever you found us, I am so very glad that you did. Please, please be sure to rate us, review us, and subscribe so you don't miss another one of these fine episodes. And if you can do me a favor, will you? If you can review us, give us a five-star rating, because a five-star rating, well, a five-star rating feels like love, and a four-star rating really 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 feels like the friend zone um so let's do five stars shall we Whew. wow huh how how are, are y'all holding up right now is it I, so i was with you all uh on on facebook a few days ago doesn't doesn't tuesday feel like an eternity ago do we remember if we could go in the way back machine all the way to tuesday remember how we were feeling tuesday night after that dumpster fire of of a debate and we were rightfully disgusted by the displays of just i don't even know what the word is i right now i'm, I'm saying i, I literally <laughs> don't know the word because i had it and then i lost it but it was just disgusting the president's behavior was unlike anything i've ever seen from a president in a debate and it is unprecedented literally no one has ever ever seen behavior like that in a debate from a sitting president and i have to tell you that upon finishing the facebook live uh 
and I did it on Instagram too. And it was it was the post debate <laughs> breakdown that that debate deserves. So it's probably somewhere in in Instagram, in Instagram, on Instagram, somewhere. And uh, if you wanted to take a look at it, you could. But why why would we want to relive one of the worst political moments in our entire lives? But it was bad. Just re I just remember how I felt. And after that that show, I'm putting in air quotes because I it was just it was more like therapy. So I want to thank you all for 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 jumping on on Tuesday. I think we were both. I think we were all like lamenting together. And afterwards, I just felt like this is the worst. This is the absolute worst. And I told myself, I said, you know, I had committed to doing a breakdown of each debate. I will say this, the vice presidential debate, the breakdown might be a challenge for me. The breakdown may actually not be immediately following the debate. It may have to be sometime, <laughs> sometime on, on the following day. Uh, my daughter is having a birthday on the 7th and so you know daughter politics daughter politics that's an easy one right even though apparently the debate is still on but we don't know if it's going to happen but i i was also lamenting the fact that i had committed to doing a breakdown of all three presidential debates and i was like i don't know how I can bring myself to do it, especially if the next two presidential debates are anything like the first one. And I just didn't know how I was going to do it. And then, if <laughs> it's so weird now to look at Tuesday night. And to look at it now, I'm recording this on, on Sunday, October 4th. I'd actually planned on, I well, I hadn't planned on, but I started doing some work on the show yesterday because just, you know, work has just been bananas and just life is bananas, as, as most of you can, can attest. And I, I was doing some things and I'm like, oh, October 3rd. And as I, you know, doing the thing like what's on this day in October 3rd and, and realize that uh, apparently October 3rd is Mean Girls Day. Y'all can, for, for all you Mean Girls fans out there, probably know exactly why it's Mean Girls Day. And I found some really cool clips from the movie. I was going to do that. And, and then I got sucked into college football and so didn't record. So I'm actually recording on time, on, on, on schedule. But it's so weird to look at Tuesday night and then think, oh, and then things got weird. But that is, that is precisely what has happened. Like Tuesday night now... Now just seems like another Tuesday night in America because things not only got weird, but they have gotten just 
suck it of seismic proportion of batshit crazy. So Tuesday night was the debate. The president arrives late, which is not abnormal. You know, when you're the president and and I don't know if if well apparently the president knows this because it looks like he was sure hard at work yesterday. We'll get to that in a little bit. He was late because the president has stuff to do, right? So the president just, you know, we are all going to always be on the president's schedule. President arrives late, not a big deal. The president was not tested by the Cleveland Clinic. Now, what I don't know is if the Biden camp was tested. What we do know is that the Biden camp continues to remain negative. The Trump family and entourage also refused to follow the agreed upon mask wearing protocol. It's important to note. So this is Tuesday evening, Tuesday evening, right? The president did not have any scheduled appearances after the debate, because why would he? Right? It's 1030 Eastern. He wouldn't have anything else to do. Less than, I shouldn't say less than, approximately, approximately, less, let's just say less than 16 hours later, the president tested positive for COVID-19. And as someone who's had a scare with COVID, it is, it is, um, it's not a joke. So I understand, you know, I understand like it, it, it is, it is to be taken seriously. And the thing about COVID is that he didn't just, you don't just get COVID and test positive. Like you don't like, 10 minutes in 10 minutes, you're like, Oh, I've got a headache. And then you've got COVID like you, when you have COVID, it's taking a few days probably for it to be working its way through your system before you even begin to exhibit any symptoms. Just know that the moment you begin to exhibit systems, there's been at least, at least 48 hours. And all of all of my medical professionals, public health professionals, please fact check me on this. But you don't just it's not instantaneous like, oh, COVID hits you and boom, you're showing symptoms. You've probably had it in your system for a couple of days. Which means that during the debate. On Tuesday. The president of the United States his family, who Melania has also tested positive. But don't worry, don't worry, Jared and Ivanka have tested negative. Trump had COVID when he was on stage. Trump had COVID when his wife, his children, his campaign staff were in the audience, all of which who had been exposed to the president that was his inner circle. All had been exposed to COVID, none of them wearing masks. 
we know now that by midday on Wednesday, the president was diagnosed as positive for COVID-19. They did not contact the Biden campaign. They did not share with the media. Think about that for a second. And, and so we're going to do something real quick. I don't, don't come at me with, well, John F. Kennedy didn't tell the media about his health issues, FDR, Woodrow Wilson, blah, 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 blah. Don't want to hear it. Because you know what none of those people had? None of those people had a communicable disease. So stop. It's ridiculous and absurd. Stop making that argument, okay? Um, so he's tested positive. He now knows. He now knows he's positive. This is the day after the debate. Not even 24 hours. Knows he's positive. He goes, gets on a plane, travels to Minnesota for a rally exposed to, as he, you know, professes huge crowds and then a fundraiser, you know, the rally, you can almost see it. You know, the, the people by and large are going to be separated from him. No one, no one should ever be getting that close to the president anyway, COVID or not. It's the fundraiser. He's doing this. So what I don't know is did his staff know? Did Ivanka, Jared, did Mike Me Mark Meadows, excuse me, Mark Meadows, his chief of staff, know? Did Hope Hicks know? Hope Hicks begins to feel sick on Wednesday afternoon. So she is quarantined on Air Force One. Let that sink in for a second. A private citizen is quarantined on the president's plane. Well, it, well, it's the it's America's plane that we have commissioned to be used exclusively for the travel of the president and and his family. So what we don't know is did the president expose Hope Hicks? Did Hope Hicks expose the president? Is there someone that exposed either one of them? So that's Wednesday. Still, the Biden camp doesn't know. The media doesn't know. And were it not for the export expert reporting of an oh my gosh, I am I am I am uh, blanking on the reporter's name, but she did some amazing reporting and found out that Hope Hicks was diagnosed on Thursday. And, and still, still nothing to the media. Still nothing. So Trump, he has COVID on Tuesday, does the debate. He has COVID on Wednesday, does the rally, does the fundraiser. He has COVID on Thursday. He begins experimental treatment. He goes to a new, his New Jersey golf club, meets with more donors. No mass. 
No masks. And they're saying, man, the president looks really tired. President's worn out. Of course, because if, and if you don't know, you're like, here's a guy, debate late into Tuesday night, hits the ground running, hits a rally in Minnesota, does a fundraiser, comes home, does goes out again, heads Jersey, does another round table. Of course he would be tired. That's a lot. That's a ton. No one knew until midnight, well, midnight Kansas City time, about 1 a.m. Eastern time, that Trump was positive for COVID. And look at all the people. Look at all of the people who are now exposed to the coronavirus. And this and and this is yes, I am I am I am I am looking to point the finger directly at the president because what we're seeing just in that timeline shows just how irresponsible he and his entire staff are as it relates to COVID protocols and just the pure disdain for the American people in A, exposing, potentially exposing the next president of the United States and his family and his staff. But what he's doing to his own people, his own supporters, the people who have his back, like all of his campaign staff, look at all the people that they have been lying to about this. And I mean, look, you've got, look at all the, I mean, he had the, uh, I'm not even getting into uh, the, the, the um, ceremonies for Amy Coney Barrett. And you've got people who were there who are testing positive like crazy. Mike Lee tested positive. Tom Tillis, who's in a fight for his political life in North Carolina, also has the coronavirus. You've got the president of Notre Dame who was there. You've got the the president's, uh, I believe he's the president's campaign chair. His, his campaign chairs. Listen, I think, I believe that being Trump's campaign manager is the equivalent of being the cover person on, on, on Madden. You've got Bill Sipian, who's now tested positive. You've got the poor guy, and I, I'm blanking on the guy's name. I'm not blanking on it. I just didn't do the research to find out his name. He's the one who, who uh, the, the original campaign manager for the re-election, who executed that really awesome rally in, in Tulsa. And I actually do want to send out, mm, man, I hate what I'm about to say, because I really meant it, and then I caught myself literally thoughts and prayers to he and his family because listen depression uh social isolation which i i'm just going to be up front and tell you that this period of social distancing and isolation has not been very easy okay so i can under and i am not i was not nearly under the pressure that i would imagine the president's former campaign manager was under, but he is like in in a really bad way right now. Uh, Kellyanne Conway also uh, stepped in at the last minute as campaign manager for 
for Trump in 2016. She won. She got the job done. She's tested positive for COVID. Not to mention that, that her uh, debacle of a marriage is completely just fodder for social media because of her her willingness to work for a fascist and a racist and a sexist and her husband who's like i don't really know what the hell you're doing and paul manafort also campaign manager for for trump paul manafort was imprisoned for his role in the you know the the russia the russia hoax I'm using air quotes, by the way. So being Trump's campaign manager is the worst job. It is literally now the worst job and the most deadly job in 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 politics. Chris Christie. Chris Christie also testing positive. Chris Christie, as you know, uh, disgraced former governor of the state of New Jersey. And he was the one over originally overseeing the president's transition. He oversaw the transition team for about 20 minutes before he was replaced by Mike Pence uh, during the, the transition from Obama to Trump. Can we talk a little bit about the Chris Christie thing, though? The Chris Christie thing is a little annoying to me. Listen, we've all seen over the past, gosh, we're going on seven months. Isn't that crazy that we're going on seven months of this? We're going on seven months. We're well over now. We're, we're well over the 200,000 people dead, Mark. And, and, and we've all seen just how stretched thin our, our hospital workers are from... You know, the, you know, everyone, doctors, nurses, paramedics, all first responders, everyone who's anyone and everyone who's kind of working in that health delivery space, our public health folks, everyone is stretched beyond capacity, well beyond capacity. And you're really only admitting people to the hospital in this COVID era when it is absolutely necessary. We've, we've seen the horror stories. We've seen the videos. We've seen the testimonials. We have seen many a, a, a healthcare worker die as a result of, of fighting this virus. So when Chris Christie gets on Twitter or whoever is handling his Twitter account, and says basically to to the effect of, you know, out of an abundance of, of caution, I, you know, checked myself in to the hospital. This is not how the health system works. The healthcare system is broken, yes. The healthcare system is it's a lot of things and there are a lot of things wrong. And, but I, I will tell you this, when it comes to fighting for people's lives, those people in those clinical settings 
are they are giving everything they have to save people's lives. And I'm not just talking about COVID. I'm talking about whatever you're there for. That the people who are in those systems are working their asses off for us. You don't check yourself in Chris Christie as if this is the Hilton. You don't like on a, this is not a road trip where you're, you're driving. You're like, you know, I'm just going to see if the Marriott's got any rooms tonight. This is not how it works. You're not there out of an abundance of caution. You're there, Chris Christie, because you're in bad sh- I mean, and I'm not talking about his literal shape. You know, Chris Christie and I share a challenge. Like, he's overweight, I'm overweight. And so I understand that. He has asthma, which, so when you think about, like, who's at risk for an adverse effect to a positive diagnosis, Chris Christie checks the boxes, as would I. As would I. So I'm not casting aspersions on him for that. But what I'm casting aspersions on is the smoke and mirrors like, oh, I'm totally fine. I'm, 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 I'm totally okay. It's just that my doctor, just the, you know, just out of an abundance of caution, is uh, admitting me uh, to the hospital and 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 putting me in front of the line in front of all these other people, who ha- no, that is not how it works, man. If you're sick, bro, just say you're sick. Don't. Don't sugarcoat it because, man, like you, you, you've, you carry the risk factors of an adverse, uh, adverse effect. And so, but yeah, I have a problem with now all of these people who have shown just a blatant disregard for the health and the well-being of the American people who have been willing to make people suffer. In fact, wasn't it Chris Christie? That said that that maybe more people should be willing to die in order to save the economy. This is a horrible show, by the way. If you're still listening, God bless you. It must mean that you really care about me because this is not this is not the uplift, I'm sure, that you were looking for today. But but now, now, you know, you know what you you know what I haven't heard? I have not yet heard since Trump got the virus. I have not heard it referred to as the Wuhan virus. I have not heard it referred to as the 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 China flu or the China virus. Interesting now that it's real. And now that it's real, now that it's real for the Chris Christie's of the world and the Kellyanne Conways, you know, you've got three at least three GOP senators who have have tested positive there's more probably on the way we don't know our new supreme court nominee may very well be positive for covid there's just a blatant disregard of people in leadership people of influence people of power have had for the rest of us and now that it's real now that they've done you know they have jeopardized the the safety of Dr. Anthony Fauci. They have tried to ruin 
the reputation of Dr. Deborah Burke. After all of that, now we're supposed to have empathy for the president. And I, just here, here's my stance on, on this. I am not wishing any ill will for the president. I, I, I feel like I share President Obama's sense that you, you in a way that you, you do hope for the very best outcome for, for the president, for the first lady, and for all the others that we've mentioned and those that, that have tested positive. I am not wishing ill will on the president. I will be honest and tell you, I am not wishing him well. That is where President Obama and I part ways. Because he's still the person. He's still the person locking kids in cages. This is how messed up this week is, by the way, because I had planned on going in on Melania. And and maybe maybe we'll do a whole other show. Are we done now? Can we can we uh, cancel hashtag save Melania? That can be canceled now, right? I, you know, I to 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 quote the the great may you rest in peace, Coach Denny Green. She is who we thought she was, right? She is just as big of an asshole as her husband. Okay. Uh, but it, yeah, it's disconcerting. It, it's disconcerting that 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 we are supposed to have empathy. Apparently, apparently there are some who were calling for the vice president, Vice President Biden, to suspend his campaign. Like <laughs> that's rich. You show up to a debate with COVID. You possibly, uh, in fact, the the who could be the next president of the United States, his family. You in fact your family, your inner circle, and now you want him to stop the campaign? Also, can we, speaking of, speaking of campaign, speaking of campaign, um, Jamie Harrison, Jamie Harrison and Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham, that dude is in trouble. And him being in trouble Maybe the very reason why he himself doesn't have COVID-19. Because normally, Lindsay would have been in Trump's lap. Would have been on his lap in the plane to the debate. Would have been on his lap to the Minnesota rally. Would have been in his lap to, to uh, the New Jersey golf club. And because he's in the dogfight, and it, this is the first, I, I think this may be the first legitimate challenge that Lindsey Graham has had for his Senate seat and what he's seeking, this would be what? He's had four terms? Four terms as senator? Or is it three? But he's been there a while. And Jamie Harrison's put... Did you all see this, by the way? Jamie Harrison showed up with his own plexiglass separator. That thing is awesome. You know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't win... The Senate seat, I fully expect Jamie Harrison to be selling like plexiglass separators like in, in the commercials were run like in between like Judge Joe Brown and Judge Judy. I could totally see Jamie Harrison doing that. Uh, and and uh, he, he might also you know do Instapot commercials. 
but he he did he did quite well in his debate last night and uh, I'm gonna full disclosure full disclosure I I did see some of the debate on c-span and I I did I I sent Jamie Harrison some money so uh gosh I think Nico put something out Nico K shout out to Nico K so I don't think Nico listens to this show though I wish he would though I'm giving her a shout out tonight she had posted something a couple weeks ago and it was like a list of all of the all of the republicans who are in jeopardy or in in tough seats and the democrats they're going against them and i think there was a link like hey like get, we can we can support them we can give money and i supported jamie harrison last night and i suppose i need to get behind uh susan collins's opponent apparently susan collins Senator in Maine, I think we're, I think most of us are familiar with Susan Collins. Susan Collins, for those of you who are unfamiliar, especially during this this Trump administration, Susan Collins is whenever there's a major vote that has extraordinary consequences. Let's just take uh, Brett Kavanaugh, Supreme Justice, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, and his nomination, and you know Susan Collins was. She found the, the, the allegations against him to be deeply troubling. And she was just so, so very concerned about the nomination. And then, of course, she, you know, supports, supports. Well, I believe she might be deeply troubled by her poll numbers. Apparently, she's down by eight points. But as David Pluff says correctly every single time, and this is so very important. This is important because we're 30 days out from, so the election has started, voting has started. We've got 30 more days before the election is officially over, right? So I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the plug of making sure you're eligible, making sure you're registered and making sure you have a plan to vote. But as David Pluff famously says, polls aren't votes. They're not votes. They may be a reflection of where we are in that moment, but they're not votes. So regardless of what the polls are telling you regarding Trump versus Biden, Biden, oh, Biden's up. Biden's up by eight points, nine points. None of that matters. The polls don't matter. The only thing that matters are the votes that are tallied at the end. So by the, well, and we may not know the, the, the outcome, but damn it, November 3rd is the end of the voting period of, of this campaign, this election. So vote. And if we want, and, and if, you're, if you're like me, that understands that, that we have to win both the White House and the Senate, and, and we have to maintain the House. That's very important, too. We've got to win the Senate, though. Give money. Because I'm going to tell you. While polls aren't votes, the things that move the needle in politics are are your are the actual votes and the money spent. Barbara Bollier is she's she's running a great campaign in Kansas, and because she's running a great campaign in Kansas, people across the country have taken note, and she's got a money advantage right now. 
And we've got to keep that up because as as the handwriting gets on the wall, where especially if they feel that the president can't win, the money will begin to flow to these battleground uh, Senate races. So the, maybe the smart money will start going to either Republican incumbents or, or in this case, like in Kansas, uh, it's an open seat. The smart money will begin to flow to Senate races. And honestly, that's where the smart, the smart money is anyway, if we're, if we're being honest. So smart money. So I, as I'm, as I'm sitting here, I'm like, I live in Missouri and, you know, grew up born and raised Kansas family in Kansas, rock chalk Jayhawk that I have not given money to Barbara Boulier. So as soon as I'm done here, I'm going to go on the act blue. This isn't, yeah, screw it. It is an ad for act blue. Go to act blue. I believe you all can fact check me on this, but I believe if you go to act blue, they can, maybe they can kind of point you in the direction of, of races that, that need money. I can tell you there are two Senate seats in Georgia, one that's open, I believe, and one that is contested or where there's an incumbent. I could be wrong about that. So there's two seats in Georgia. You've got Kelly in, in Arizona. You've got the seat in Maine that's in play. Corey Gardner's on the ropes in Colorado. And, oh, Barbara Boulier. Barbara Boulier in Kansas. I know people say that I was in play. I don't believe that. I believe that Senator Ernst will retain her seat, but it doesn't mean that we don't give money. You know, we sometimes you got to throw the Hail Mary. Sometimes you just got to do the Doug Flutie. And I know I'm dating myself when I say the Doug Flutie. Wow, that, I don't know where I was going. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with any of that to say that Jamie Harrison did a great job. And these... You'll notice I didn't mention Kentucky with Mitch McConnell and, oh gosh, the one, the, the, the Democrat and name only person, McGrath, Colonel McGrath. It's hard for me to get excited about her. But then again, then again, there's a benefit, even if, even, see, here's the thing though, we want to try to get McConnell out of there because even as minority leader. What he has shown. Here's the thing. We don't have to like Senator Mitch McConnell. We do have to respect him. And I will say that even as the minority leader, when Harry Reid was the majority leader, it was clear. It was clear that Mitch McConnell has a mastery of, you know, Senate politarian, you know, um, you know, politarian rule. He understands it. Um, parliamentarian. <laughs> I, tongue twister. This is like a tongue twister day. So we have to respect him. So if he's gone, if if he's not, if he and Lindsey Graham aren't there in the Senate, oh man, it's on like Donkey Kong for the Democrats. If we win the majority, we win the majority, and those two guys are gone. Come on, man. Come on, man. We are. It is going to be, man. I'm talking. We're, man, Green New Deal, universal basic income. I mean, erect the statue to Nancy Pelosi. Like we are going to let our liberal freak flag fly. Okay, so that 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 would be the upside to getting rid of both McConnell and Lindsey Graham out of there. 
But Jamie Harrison, great night last night. Lindsey Graham. <sighs> Lindsey Graham's in trouble, but trouble is relative. And we have to keep have to keep that pressure on. Listen, you know, I had more. I had more to say, but I you know, I'm just gonna wrap it up here. I'm gonna wrap it up. Um, I will say this. Beyond the voting, please, please take into account what the president and all of those folks are experiencing. Please wear a mask. Please practice safe physical distancing. And I will also say, I will also say this. Check in on your on your people. Check in on your people. This is a tough time. This is a tough time. And and I mean check in on your people. Even those who don't agree with you politically, this is a tough time for them too. Whether it feels legitimate or not, <laughs> that you know they're 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 feeling a certain kind of way about the condition of the president. Check it on them. Make sure they're okay too. So with that, folks, I hope you're well. I hope that all is well with you and your family. And hang in there. Hang in there. We've. We're, we've got 30 we've got 30 more days so let's keep fighting take care of yourselves and take care of each other and I'm gonna catch you on the flip side of the next episode of of the NFL. oh 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 before I go I, I'm gonna leave you I'm gonna we've been talking about Lindsey Graham and I'm gonna leave you with his thoughts on on vice president Biden and I would love to get I would love to get your take. I'd love to get your take on what you on what you think about it. Anyway, be well, and I'll catch you on the flip side of the next episode of The Uninvited. Peace. If you can't admire Joe Biden as a person, then it's probably, you got a problem. <laughs> you need to do some self-evaluation. Because what's not to like? I called him after Bo died. And he basically said, well, Bo was my soul for a long time. He came to my ceremony uh, and said some of the most incredibly heartfelt things that anybody could ever say to me. And uh, he's the nicest person I think I've ever met in politics. He is as good a man as God ever created. I think he's uh, been dealt a really gut blow. I think he focuses on what he's got to do, not what he lost. Uh, his, his heart's been ripped out, but he's going to make sure that the other members of his family is well taken care of. And he started talking about his grandkids. More worried about them than anything. We just talked about the future. Yeah. He started talking about the future, the future of his family. 